podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, and my mate James Jones. And the roller coaster that is West Ham United season takes two more loops round the loop de loop, up the huge climb and down another big dip as West Ham go two defeats from two walloped 4 0 at bogey team. Brighton after a late collapse at Old Trafford, but a stunning performance for 70 minutes at Manchester United in the FA Cup last Wednesday. I went up to Manchester for that one, the 3am arrival back at home. All seemed a little bit of a waste of time. After that, uh, <laughs> after that really disappointing defeat, but little did I know as much heart as I took from the first 70 minutes at Old Trafford, West Ham would turn around and slap me in the face once again as they were given a proper good hiding at Brighton. Jonesy, delighted to have you back with me again. Another busy show, two games to look back on, two games to look ahead to. On one hand, I guess that's good after those two disappointing games that we've got to, you know, two fixtures to get stuck into. The Conference League's back which was the positive from the first half of the season. Hopefully it can be again. And then we play Aston Villa on the weekend. What are your current thoughts and feelings? Uh, I tweeted straight after the Brighton game. Um, and I had a couple of, couple of fans from you, a couple of digs. But I just want, <laughs> I want it back. And what I want back is severe at home, Leon away. Mm. Ballon Dawson, mm. Bowen's on fire. We've got mm. Super David Moyes. Mm. I want those times back, the good times. The times when we didn't have any worries, the times when we were all smiling, we were all happy, we were jovial. We'd go, into, we'd go into every game going, yeah, we'll win this. We'd go 1-0 down and go, doesn't matter, we'll probably still win. Um, every single player given 100%. Um, David Moyes smiling, um, everyone just happy. Um, and it made me realise over the weekend that you really don't know what you have until it's gone. I know it's a cliche, but it's so true. And Two I feel... 35 into the recording for the first That is a record. Cliche, that is a record yeah. for me, yeah. Um, but it's true. And I just, I feel so deflated because I saw so many positives from that last, what, half hour against Forest and we blew them away. The first 70, 75 minutes against United at Old Trafford, I thought we were superb at Old Trafford up until we capitulated defensively. Um, and we probably should have been 3 new up by the time. Mate, there's no scored. probably about that. There's we no should have probably. been 3 new up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah honestly, don't we'll don't bait me about that already, mate. But, this will take an angry sidetrack, so carry on. But And then you think, right, great. I know we never beat Brighton, but we might, we could, you know, we've been playing well. We could go there, maybe nick a point, maybe surprise everyone and nick a one nil win in the last minute. You don't, you don't know. We're playing pretty well. And then they serve us that. Not a single one of them, not a single one of them tried. And it, it, it breaks your heart, mate. And it's just so disappointing that they served us that after giving us a little bit of hope that things might have turned the corner. Um, 
and turns out it hasn't. And yeah, I, I feel just so upset about the whole thing, mate. And um, what upsets me more is that it's going to be more of the same to the end of the season. And we've just kind of got to just hope that we pick up enough points and the three worst teams in us in the league and we're still a Premier League team this time next year because they're not going to sack him. They won't. And um, we're just going to have to put up with it, I think. No, but hang on a minute. Right. So to put my therapist hat on for a minute, not that I am a therapist. I just have a hat. You have a hat that says <laughs> yeah, therapist. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just full of my own self-importance and like the, the, <laughs> I think I've got some sort of therapeutic abilities. But why then? Why It, it doesn't sound healthy, Jonesy. If you can take such heart from the positives, uh, sorry, from some of the positive performances, as you mentioned, against Forest, and then the first 70 minutes against Manchester United. Mate, I'm not exaggerating. That was like watching Brazil. We were absolutely we were extraordinary. Yeah. We were good. brilliant, mate. We were absolutely brilliant. And I never imagined for a second, I said to my dad before the game, when we were on the way up there, I said, if we, if we score, if we go one nil up, and score, I'll be happy. Right? Yeah. Oh, and I know it's such a small club mentality, that isn't it? Which is obviously what we want to get away from under Pellegrini. Um, but I was just like, this is a really long way on a Wednesday. Not a really long way on a Wednesday. I just want to see us score or enjoy some of the evening until the inevitable defeat. And honestly, and even though I sort of knew that was happening, we played so well before. I was like, we're going to do this. And then, oh, it was a bit of a collapse or whatever. But, you know, I don't... I, I still genuinely took a load of heart from that. So then when... And I genuinely... I didn't think we would win. I genuinely did think we would lose 1-0 at Brighton. Or 2-0 maybe. 2-1 maybe. Perhaps nick a goal. But I took real heart from the, the game at Old Trafford. And for it to just be so, like... Meh, afterwards. Because I think, honestly, mate, right, if you before the Brighton game, I think we'd had, realistically, we've probably had two bad halves of football out of our last eight. Uh, we played well the whole game against Newcastle. We played well the whole game against Chelsea. We played well the first half away at Tottenham and then threw it away. And we're rubbish in the second. That's one of the bad ones. We played out of our skin at Man United for one and a half halves. And then again, just at the end. And, and if we had a proper centre forward, which is the only thing I've got to say about that game, mm. it, which we'll go on to when we do the reaction bit, then we'd be okay. Like we, we would have been three new up. So uh, what I'm saying is, if you can take that much heart from the positives, which there have been in the last few weeks... I just accept that the results might not fall into place quite as much. Like, how can all of that be destroyed or undone by one defeat? Do you know what I mean? I will tell you why. It's because a lack of effort, a lack of like, it's all very well going. Oh yeah, well we played well there. We played well there. So therefore, okay, well you know we don't really beat Brighton, so I'm not really surprised that we lost. We got battered four 0 and I'm not like we, we got called out by a lot of Brighton fans earlier in the season when we were mm. we were being quite rude towards Brighton as a football club, um, and it's still a complete like ridiculous situation that we still can't beat them in the Premier League. I'll give them so much credit for the, the, like they're playing very well. Yeah, um, they're they're very well run football club, both on and off the pitch, and they deserve to 
they probably should have beaten a seven or eight nil in the end. Um, and it would have been fine for them. Like, yeah, no, no problem. The reason why all that's been undone is because we didn't look like we cared. There was actually no effort from those players on Saturday afternoon. Um, and when you see that sheer lack of effort and desire to win a football match, or at least try to win a football match, like, what, why should you have any heart at all? Mm. Like, what hope have you got left when the players <clears throat> don't even have hope? You know what I mean? No, yeah, I do know what you mean, mate. I do know what you mean. Um, listen, we'll go on to all of that stuff in a bit more detail further in the show. We've got a lot to pack into this week. We've got two games to look back on, the Brighton defeat, which we'll do at first with uh, Russ Budden is joining us. DJ Russy Beer, some of you might know him. He's joining us after our partnership with the West Ham Network YouTube channel. He's joining us to look ahead, look back to that Brighton game. Uh, we'll chat about that United defeat in the FA Cup as well. Fantastic atmosphere up there. And I did ultimately quite enjoy the occasion. Um, yeah, excellent atmosphere up there. Before the we look ahead to the two games we've got and try and extract some positivity out of that. We'll have two opposition views this week. Um, we're talking about that AEK Larnica game away in the Conference League on Thursday night before we will, of course, look ahead to that game against Aston Villa at London Stadium. This weekend, I'm going to try and pick Jonesy up, if that's at all possible. Um, and, yeah, I've, I don't know. I, I'm not sure, mate. I, I just think, again, I'm just going to keep saying it. I think it's going to be my rhetoric until the end of the season. We've been calling it for weeks. This is what it's going to be like. It's going to be roller coastery. So, like, when we come back on next week and we've beaten Larnaca 5 0 and we're on the verge of <clears throat> being through to a European <laughs> quarter final, um, and then we, we've come and given Villa a game at home, then it'll be all, you know, whoopee, look at us, aren't we great again? And then the next week will be a couple of defeats. That's what it's going to be like. And I just am keen, Jonesy. For you to, you know, to, to wheel out a, a football cliche. You don't, don't get too high with the victories. Don't get too low with the defeats. We'll be all right this season, trust me. But we'll go into all of that in more detail. Russ Budden joins us next from the West Ham Network. Uh, as I've mentioned already, we struck up a partnership with those guys, uh, their YouTube channel. Uh, you can find Russ Anton, who was on with us last week, and all of the lads over there. The links to that are in the description to this podcast. Jonesy and I are going to be featuring on some of their content as well over the next couple of months until the end of the season. So Russ joins us next to look back to that Brighton game. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. I'm at William Pugh underscore James. is at by James Jones. You can get on Instagram, Facebook at we are West Ham pod. And do the same on YouTube. Um, we are West Ham Podcast over there. Jonesy's doing a sterling job. And as I mentioned, we've got that um, cross-pollination, I think Jonesy called it, with the West Ham Network guys. So uh, we'll have some content swapping and that sort of thing going down on YouTube as well. Last but not least, of course, you can buy us a pint at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. Um, pints are five or each. You fancy chipping in. Just to say thanks to Jonesy and I for the work we're doing, or as he might need this week, just to pick Jonesy up off the floor, because never have I seen a man looking so downbeat. And he's a friend of mine, I care about him. So if you want to buy James a pint, I'll happily waive my half of any money this week 
uh, <laughs> that James Jones drowned is sorrows that's buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham if you fancy it just before we move on to speak to Russ I just want to mention James we always say you can email us if you so wish at wearewestampod at gmail.com Dave Ogle did that this week subject line simply yikes uh, West Ham are tragic everywhere they go uh, which, to be fair, fair enough from Dave. And he also gave you a little bit more gout advice. Uh, James, cherry juice, 25 to 30% per volume per day for gout. Works a treat. Better day is ahead, boys. David from Canada. So cheers, Dave Ogle. That did cheer me up. Nice one, Dave. Thank um, you. Seeing that one. A bit more gout advice. I feel like we might be better off, Jonesy, just starting like a mental and physical health podcast. I can yeah. be the therapist. You can tell people what treats. Uh, all of the various conditions that you've got, and then we won't have to talk about West Ham so miserably every week. So it's our plan to me, yeah, 100%. Exactly. Well, until we get that one off the ground, we'll stick with West Ham content for now, starting, of course, next up, we look ahead, look back, excuse me, to that shambles at Brighton, me, Jonesy, and Russ Budden from the West Ham Network. <laughs> So, as I mentioned there, joining us to look back at that shambles of a defeat at Brighton, 4-0 humping is Russ Budden from the West Ham Network. Off the back of the partnership that we've struck up with those guys. Russ, good to have you back with us on the show, mate. I know you heard a little bit of that intro as you are in the virtual green room. Jonesy, not having it whatsoever, I am genuinely worried about him. He's a very close friend of mine and I love him to bits. And I don't like it when he's so affected by West Ham's performances and results. Although, let's be honest, 4-0 away at Brighton, even though we'd already all written off the game, so that makes it 12 games against them. Without a victory, 4-0 is sort of different league, isn't it? It is different league, and I think, and I, I, I sort I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm, I should be in the middle between you two, to be honest, because it's like, for me, it was unlike I, I was thinking about it last night. I can't think of a worse performance for, well, certainly not under David Moyes, that's for sure. I mean, he's, I was read a stat. It's the first time ever, a hundred games or something like that, that we've lost by more than two clear goals under mm. Moyes. Um, but it's not that. It's the fact that. Usually, even if we lose quite heavily, we always have some sort of crumb, you know, something we can rest on. Um, I mean, even when we lost, wherever it was, 5-1 to Nottingham Forest when Fat Sam put all the kids out, at least we scored a goal, you know, and there was nothing, was there? I mean, literally, I've, I, we, we did the highlights and, the, and the, the highlights or whatever. I mean, even West Ham did the highlights, didn't they? And the extended highlights on YouTube as well, which I thought was quite ironic. Um, but... There was nothing. There was nothing. It was really, it was really depressing, and I totally agree. We had already written the game off. I mean, I've, I've, I'm, I'm of the view that, that you know, the strong side that we put out against Man United was as a almost readiness for us to lose the Brighton game. Oh, we had a big game. We played, you know, we had a full strength side. We played almost a full strength side against Man United. Oh, two games a week. We're really tired. And da, 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 da. even in the press conference, Moisey was saying, alluding to it being our bogey team. So already you set yourself up for a fail, really, by saying, yeah. "Oh, yeah, Brian, our bogey team." Yeah. So you know, so we were really. It was going to be one of those. I mean, I mean, I think most people would have probably taken a defeat, maybe you know, sort of two nil, maybe, but four nil. Um, obviously, not the worst result in the Premier League, you know, this weekend, but um, after yesterday, but still, it was just there was no crumbs of of like something we can sort of cling on to apart from it's done now and i always think that he's planned out you know as you said you know these twists and turns it's going to be like that 
it's always yeah. for me that there's there's going to be there's games where he's almost like like almost written off he almost wrote off the Brighton game you know like he's probably planned it out for the during the World Cup so certain games is not going to not bother but there'll be you know Man City away that those type of games you know hmm. we're probably full well knowing us turn up against Villa next week and it's almost because he fancies that one it, no, it's, that's the wrong way of doing it I just find it I, I just find that you you can't be all right before I let James go because <laughs> I can see he's ready. Um, is there any? You saw what happened to Man United. That was a really high quality, decent game of football. They were run off the park by West Ham for seventy minutes, and they get back in it at the end. You saw what happened to them as well, and they they go and completely capitulate at Liverpool. We go and do it at, at Brighton. Is there not any? Surely there is some credence. And the fact that we played Saturday rather than Wednesday, oh, sorry, Saturday rather than Sunday after a Wednesday game, it, can you not give any sort of credence or acknowledgement that, because he did play a strong team who played very, very well yeah. and worked their nuts off for the, and that was the thing, because I had a seat right high up in the away end. Um, it's not dissimilar to where you sit at London Stadium. It's a different game. It's, it's a completely different game. You yeah. see it completely differently. And I went on Twitter afterwards some people calling out a few players who I thought were outstanding. And it's just how you watch it, right? So, yeah. Um, but I could tell they were working. They worked really, really hard. So is there any credence at all? I appreciate, I sort of already, I certainly know what James is going to say by his face. <laughs> but um, is there any credence at all in the fact that, yeah, you know what? That game did take a lot out of them on Wednesday. Um, yeah, I mean, and it, as it, it did to Man United as well, and perhaps that played in. Not saying it excuses it, but that played into it, maybe. It does. I mean, it's, the fact is, I think that the week before the Forest game, we were pretty well. We, we weren't very good until 65, 70 minutes. And then we had a, a crazy twenty minutes, really. And it's almost like people are. I think that's that was more, you know, the the exception than the rule of our season. To be honest, that was a, a very a freak twenty minutes. I thought for Man United game, we did play very very well, you know. They didn't have their full side out. We had our full side out, really. It so wasn't so a weak team, though. It wasn't, wasn't, it wasn't a weak team, but, was it? But it came to, but and obviously we were dominate. But then the difference in in management styles. I mean, you know, clearly the Man United midfield wasn't working uh, as as it was currently employed at the first half. So what did he do at half time? He brings on Casemiro. As soon as we scored, Rashford had his shirt on and was on. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And and I think that's I think that's what frustrates people sometimes is, you know, we the the Brighton game, it was almost like I thought he'd written the game off by what he was saying pre-match. So which is a bit of a disrespect to some of the the, you know, the thousands of fans who went there, particularly for all the travel issues as well they had. But I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I think we're just going to have this roller coaster. We're going to have ups and downs in terms of performances. Um I think you know, I fully expect us to have a slightly, to have a, you know, a weakened side for Larnica. Um, we're probably, I don't, maybe not the four or five nil that you want, but uh, it would be lovely. But I think we'll probably scrape a win there and then come into Villa. He won't, if he knew he was playing Brighton on the, on the sun Saturday. So if you're going to, you know, you, you need to balance that out. So I think he almost had it as a ready-made excuse, to be honest, um, knowing we were going to lose that game, but you're totally right. I thought they played, they played fantastically. You know, they gave Man United a real good game and it shows what we can do. And it shows what we can do if we apply ourselves. Um, but the same formation, pretty much the same squad, um, bar one or two players, just totally different performance. Go on and, in, and James. Go on in, James. Go on, he's so quiet. 
It's worrying. But like, I understand what you're saying. Um, oh, I don't buy the whole. But I don't. I just don't buy the whole. Oh, yeah, but they were a little bit tired after after the cup game. Like, I'm sorry, but these guys are the fittest people in the country for crying out loud. Yeah, like they get paid a lot of money to run around for ninety minutes more than once a week. That that's what they're paid to do. But that and doesn't I, take away from the no, physiological effect from no, doing it more than once. They're fit enough. So I don't think it's a tired thing. It's not a tired thing. The loss against Brighton was an effort thing. Like I, I, it's okay. If, you know, we go in there and we lose two 0 Everyone goes, well, you know, probably saw that coming. To be fair, we don't really beat Brighton. Yeah. But losing four 0 to Brighton on the back of the, the recent performance that we've seen is is all the evidence you need that there just wasn't any effort. There was no desire there on the day. Now, uh, Russ, I see what you're saying about whether David Moyes has perhaps kind of written a game off and that's perhaps that's rubbed off on the players. But again, I don't think that's acceptable. It's all right for no, the fans to not. write games off. It's all right for the I fans agree. to go... I do agree yeah, with you. Right? Yeah, the, the fans can write any game off they want. They can go, yeah, we, well, we never beat Brighton. Yeah. Or, oh, it's Man City away. That's a write-off. Um, but for the manager to do it, and obviously yeah. we don't know whether that's definitely... Um, definitely the case, but there are there is some evidence there that suggests that might be the case. For the managers to do it, just that's not acceptable. You can't pick no. and choose which games you want to try, especially when you're the manager of the football team. Um, and that's the issue I've got with it. And that's that's why I'm just like, I don't know how, how you carry on. I don't I don't know how you continue after after a performance like that, especially given the situation we're in. Um, like it's it's really really upset me because it's like, hang on. What, why did we turn up and play for 70, 70 minutes against Man United? If you're just going to do that four days later, yeah, or three days later, it's just like, it makes no sense to me. Like, why don't they care enough to try more than once a week? <laughs> James, uh, I, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure I don't they know why care. it's even that funny. Like, it's, well, it's, it's not funny. You're funny. No, you're making me laugh. You're making me laugh. <laughs> yeah, it's not funny, but I, I, I just, I think it's probably a bit more nuanced than that is what I'm saying. I think mm. what you're you're coming at it from a position of well they're just not trying, they don't care, they're crap. Well, well no, like it was clear that they didn't try against Brighton. Like the performance levels were nowhere okay, near you, where they should have been. And do I don't accept? buy the fact it's because they were tired because they played on Wednesday night. No. no, like, no so in that case then we should expect the same performance against Villa after we played Larnaca on Thursday. Like, but there is, it there, doesn't do happen not, like that. It do you not accept like that. that it's a contributing factor? Because there's clear evidence that when teams play midweek games, if it's Europe or or the Cup, whatever, when teams play midweek games, well, you, it was levelled at Spurs all the time when they were in the Europa League, wasn't it? The Thursday, Sunday Spurs, they could never get over the line because they would always struggled after their Europa League games. I'm not saying it's 100% that. I'm not saying there wasn't perhaps a lack of effort. But can you concede that may be a contributing factor? I think it's reasonable to say that playing in the midweek has an adverse effect on us. There's there's an element of it, yeah, I I would agree with that. But it it just falls back to my effort thing. Like, yeah, you can be knackered, but at least try. Mm. Yeah, we didn't see that on Saturday. We didn't see effort. No, that's my issue with it. And also, you saw a situation where you had, you know, and I I think that was coupled with a, a side that basically keep the ball very well 
I mean, there was that stat that came up halfway through the set the first half. They'd had six, like 300 passes and we'd had 70 or whatever, and, but they'd had a pass completion rate of like 92, 93%. When they had the ball, they were playing. It was like it, someone alluded to it like year sevens playing year 11s and the year 11s <laughs> playing cue ball. And that's what it was just, That's what it was like. We were like young. It's like, and then you need to, that's when, that's when the manager needs to go, okay, well, it's not working like this. And then sometimes I think you need to, and that's one of our things, issues with me sometimes is we're not nasty. Sometimes we need, sometimes that game needed, it did need a Mark Noble type player to come on Ooh. and stick a, stick a foot in, stick, you know, have, have a, have a go, you know, studs down the back of Casado or someone like that, just to sort of get something going or just to, cut, there. Yeah. yeah. And then just to put, put pressure on them. We were happy to let them play football. And, um, and that's what frustrated me. It's like, you know, Certain times you need you need a Billy Bonds player. Certain times you need a Trevor Brooking player, and we needed a Billy Bonds player at that time to come on. You know, someone even like someone like Flynn just to come on and be a bit nasty. Um, but he's not a nasty player. But you know, someone like that just to put a foot in because just to break up their rhythm. We just let them play. You know, the commentator was saying after twenty five minutes, this is like a training game for them, and it's mm. like twenty five minutes in the game. We're like, well, that's it. We're done there, ain't it? Um, and it was the first time also this season, I think we'd come in at half time or this, this calendar year that we'd come in at half time down. Usually we're sort of drawing or we're not very rarely I think once we were, we've been up, but still, and it was just like, just looked like there was nothing in it. And you knew it was going to get worse. You knew it was going to get worse, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those really frustrating days in the office, so to speak. I definitely think there's something in that Russ, as far as the nastiness goes. And I just... And, and I've thought it for a while. I haven't said it as much as I'd like to, but I certainly noticed it at United again last Wednesday, where I think I think one thing Declan would benefit from, and I know he's got loads of positive attributes, right? But I think one thing he needs a bit more of is a bit of that needle. Yeah. And I mean more, you're playing against Man United at Old Trafford. There was a couple of dodgy decisions went against us in the second half. And you know damn well, if that was against Man United, Fernandez would be up in the ref's face and yeah. shouting it to him. Declan just sort of like flops his arms about if West Ham get a bad decision against us. Whereas, you know, Nobes as well would be right. And I'm, it's one of them, right? You're sort of supposed to, in this modern day of football, advocate for a bit more respect for referees, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and obviously that that's important to an extent. But ultimately, no, none of the winners in the Premier League are listening to that, no. are they? No. You, you know, they're all still, I mean, Graham Potter, the, probably the politest one of all of them, is just getting pelters for being too nice and being too polite. And ultimately, that winner's mentality, you know, Moisey or Kevin Nolan will go and give it to an official, won't they? Or give it to the yeah. fourth official, whatever. Yeah. Noble would have done that. And I just think you're looking at that team now. I definitely, definitely think we lack a bit of that. Because all of our players, are really, even our defenders are just nice, aren't they? But Dawson, yeah. you wouldn't have fancy yeah. playing against him, would you? No. But Aguerd looks lovely on the ball and he looks like he's got a bit about him. He's a class act. But ultimately, who's out there? If, if we get a bit of an injustice or something goes against us, you look to your captain for that. And I think that's a part Declan needs to develop in his game. But I just think we're really lacking a bit of character, or a bit of spine or a bit of someone to go, lads, this is fucking rubbish. Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't swear on this podcast, but um, yeah, this is really rubbish. Uh <laughs> And, you know, sort it out or ref. That's an absolute shambles of a decision, you know. I get, but we haven't got any of that. So I do no. think, I do and think that, there's something in that. 
and that's always been i think a slight i think it's an issue that we don't have, maybe haven't realized until part of global leaving this transition you know i think there's a difference between a tick between a tick between 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 that's it being a team captain and a club captain and also i think mm. sometimes that's that's a learning process for deck and also the way he conducts himself you know after interviews that's a learning process but even more so on the pitch you know you as you said with mark you know he would be even if he wasn't playing he'd be on the touchline and he'd go up and have a word with the fourth you know that, that's that he was just he took on that role he advocated that role and sometimes i think there's and actually we had it last year in the europe in the europe europa league games um in that you know they were you know the likes of leon sevilla were playing you know the dark arts and we mm. weren't nasty enough to to do that and you know and then when we try and do things and we try and i'm not advocating diving ever we're so poor at it um so we get yellow cards for diving and we don't even mean to do it like bowen did it on the against brighton and i just think sometimes you know there's certain times where it's great to have lovely football it's great to you know but sometimes you need to roll your sleeves up and be a billy bonds player and i think someone like deck would benefit from having that sort of that attitude sometimes just because we need it sometimes. And it, and I remember, I remember you guys as well, you know, when, when the game's getting dull in sort of early nineties, Julian would kick someone up in the air and he'd probably get a yellow card for it, but the crowd will get up for it. And then the players will get up for it. And it's infectious, that sort of effort. And I think that's, that was the frustrating thing on Saturday. There was no fight. There was no, now, I'm not saying they didn't try, you know, you know, if you read the running stats, they probably all ran 10 kilometers each, but it's the application well, of James it. reckons they didn't try. Well, I don't say it's not, not a case of not. I mean, you know, I think they're professionals, so they, they will try, but we didn't see the fight. And, it, and the fight for us is usually a chal- a tough challenge or someone running after a point that's like Colton Cole used to run over after pointless balls and things like that. Any that's balls, what we need. Yeah, any ball bless him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we applauded that, didn't we? We mm. applauded that effort and it was just really frustrating. Um, and I'm usually a really optimistic guy, but I came out of that game so deflated. And I think that's the most I've been deflated for a long, 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 long time. Just shows you what the effect one week can have. You know, we come mm. out of the Forest game, everyone's like, hey, we lost to Man United. Everyone's like, oh, we lost, but we played all right. And then Saturday's like, oh, my God. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to do, I think, in yeah. combat to, or in um, sort of a polar opposite to perhaps yeah. James's approach. It's just trying to look a bit more holistically and bigger picture. <laughs> that's Take that's some heart where there's heart yeah. to be taken <laughs> and disappointment. Right, Jonesy, let's do some sort of specifics for the game. Uh, I thought the pen was soft. I mean, again, I know it all seems a bit futile after being humped 4-0. Um, but I thought the pen was soft. Bowen should have scored not long afterwards. Uh, the corner goal was poor, and I think perhaps because we looked so shaky at set pieces against United, it turns out that was our first Premier League corner goal conceded of the season, but obviously it was the first one Brighton have scored of the season in the league as well. Um, and then their third goal was a pretty decent move, obviously, like you're sort of done by then, and yeah, of course, Danny Welbeck was going to um, just going to pop up and affect the game at the end. Have you got any of the game specifics that you want to talk about in particular? Um, or do you just think it, none of it matters anymore? I don't think any of it matters. Um, I do agree with you that the penalty was soft, but even if the penalty is ruled out, then we lose 3 0 instead. And it's like, yeah, well, it's the same <laughs> yeah. thing, in it really? Um, yeah, like nothing really. Uh, but the, the Bowen chance. It reminded me of the Antonio chance at Old Trafford only a few days earlier. And the the, the difference is is that when Antonio is one-on-one, you know he's not scoring. Like, just knew it. Knew it. He's either going to put it wide or he's going to put it over or De Gea is going to save it. Um, 
But then with Bowen, you expect him to score that. He scored yeah. one at Leon away, very similar. Um, don't know what happened. Obviously, maybe it's a confidence thing. I don't know. But other than that, I don't see anything, any moment in that game where it's like, oh, we were desperately unlucky there. Or, you know, it just nothing. Like, we, we deserve to lose 4-0, probably even more. And that's that's the reality of it. Like, there's nothing nothing I'm even going to even attempt to cling on to as a bit of hope, if I'm honest. Although we, 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 haven't, moved. we haven't moved nowhere. We're still 16th. Oh, well, then yeah, that case, then. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's true, right? That's true. But when we beat Forest 4-0, it was like, great. The goal difference is significantly better now. Yeah, that was and, annoying. And when, yeah. and when, you, when, you look, when you look down there, like we, our goal difference, even now after losing those four goals back, um, we've got a far better goal difference than everyone down there. Yeah. Well, Leeds, so, Leeds I mean, you know, they say, oh, goal limits is almost worth another point, and it technically is at the moment for us. But it's like, we've just scored four goals against not, not in the Forest to take us, what, to minus six. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, you know, we're pushing, we're, we're doing all right here. And now it's back to minus 10. And it's just like, <laughs> in the space of a week, it's just like, well, you know, at this rate, we're, we're not going to have that advantage of a, of, of a good goal difference over everyone else. So, yeah, we're still 16th, but we're, we're, we're still no better off. No. If anything, we're worse no. off because we've got a worse goal difference. You and me put back in our boxes, Russ. <laughs> it's true, though. It's, it's, Sorry, it's true, Russ. isn't it? No, it's true. <laughs> it's true, though. It's like, you know, I think, you know... Sorry, Russ, Russ, don't you dare come on our podcast and say some ridiculous things like that <laughs> ever again. Don't be so positive, Russ. Don't be so positive. Honestly, it pisses, it pisses everyone off on the way, on the network, but that's it because we try and, I try and give some, some sort of light and shade to it. But you're right. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, Regardless of that game, they said if we'd lost 2 0, we'd have gone, oh, oh, well, we lost 2 0, and then we'd still be 16. Well, we'd have come out the weekend going, do you know what? We lost, but yeah, we're still in the okay position. Yeah, yeah, we've got that one out of the way. Because we've lost 4 0, those two extra goals make a hell of a difference in terms of the fans' mentality. And we're like, ah, yeah, but that's just, but that's it. And you're right, we'll probably play, we'll probably scrape through against Larnica, I reckon, on Thursday. And then. Villa will probably end up winning just because it's West Ham at the moment and Villa are playing quite well. Um, you know, we, all, we were saying, oh, you know, Forest were playing really well and they were very, very poor and when we played them. Um, Brighton are a very good side anyway. They have their best season, I think, in the Premier League by the end of this season. They're very, very good. Um, play some really good football. Really unusual sort of way of playing football as well, which I quite enjoy. Um, and then then we've got Larnica and then we've got two two weeks of no football. Or three weeks, really. Um, until Southampton. Relief, it's also known. <laughs> Can't exactly. wait. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, Jonesy, have you got anything else before we move on to the next section? Say goodbye to Russ for the rest of the show, and it's just me and you. I'm actually quite scared about you know, <laughs> when Russ logs off. <laughs> Thank God we don't do it in person anymore. Um, but yeah, have you got anything else to add before um, Russ goes, Jonesy, on the Brighton game? Any uh, final I, thoughts just on to sum up? I, I'm interested to hear what Russ's thoughts are on uh, on Moyes' future after that game. Personally, yeah. I don't. I, personally, I I I think it comes down to the Villa game, and it's the trouble is it's it's always this. It's the next game. It's well, that's what game. we're saying. It's going to be like that, isn't it? Yeah. That's what it's going to be. I think it's going to be on a, on a game by game basis. They've said it's it was being looked at as a, a game by game basis, and I think the trouble is that as every game goes past, the the bounce of a potential manager will have less and less of effect because there's less and less games to play. You know, for me, I think, you know, it's, I think, you know, the frustration thing, I mean, I was listening to someone talking about it and they said, you know, thing about a new manager, 
the thing about the, a new manager coming in is they would look for a David Moyes type manager. But you would do. Plus, the fact is he'll have a bounce. So, you know, even if it is a similar manager to Moyes, you're going to get a new, uh, a breath of fresh air come in. Whether it's, new ideas, yeah. I mean, even people are saying, like, even like, you know, the Pardew effect, not saying get Alan in, but that sort of, he'll come in, knock some heads together, then it all goes to pot afterwards. But you've got that sort of that bounce. And I think that's all it needs is some sort of bounce. I thought the change in formation, first I thought signing Danny Ings was going to be the bounce, but that hasn't worked yet. I thought then the change in formation would be the bounce. We did score twice against Forest. Yeah, right? yes, but unfortunately it it's, not, time, it? hasn't, it's not prolonged yet, is it? And so, I mean, even look at Deitch, you know, he's had uh, a good result, then a bad <laughs> result. He, you know, they lost, they, they drew yesterday and they should have won that game. So even his bounce has not really worked. Southampton, Nathan Jones didn't work as a bounce. But then the new manager comes in and they beat Chelsea. And so, you know, it's all, it's everyone's going to be a sort of roller coaster. For me, I don't see it. I personally can't see them making a change until the end of the season, just because I just think, you know, it's too late. Now, it's, yeah. it's too late. So, actually, it's a case of, right, we just got to get behind the players. We'll probably stay up by the skin of our teeth anyway, regardless. I think that's the assumption um, in my in my eyes. But um, uh, I think there's, I think, yeah, it's, it's the, the only two or three sides put a run of three or four games together and that's it and done. And I think that's the same with us, really. Yeah, but I think, yeah, exactly. I, I think there's enough there that we could be one of those teams easily. Yeah. I'm telling you, we're better than some of the others. I reckon we'll end up finishing somewhere proper underwhelming, but it'd be like 14th or something. I think we'll be yeah. out of it a few games to go. 14th will be amazing, I think, to be honest. Well, when yeah. we win the Conference League, that's what I mean. Still going to be one of the best seasons. I, of my I, life. I, I, I want to. I, yeah, obviously, stuff if we finish exactly. If if we win the Conference, and obviously then we're in the Europa League, in in comparison to all the money together, it's about forty five million quid we'll earn because we'll earn the money for winning the Conference plus obviously the guaranteed money for the group stages of the Europa League. Now, obviously that fifty forty five by fifty million quid. In terms of if we got relegated, how much? I don't know how much we lose in the first year, but if that was a similar number. <laughs> It's like you can just see. Plus, I think mm. we play less rent on the on the London Stadium if we went down anyyway as well. So, anyway, right. we're not going down. Just one now. final question before we let you go and move on, then, Russ, to both of you. Um, I'm going to go with James Jones first. I think um, if West Ham win the Conference League this season, does David Moyes become our greatest manager of all time? No, no, <laughs> no. Why not? Well, because other managers have won other trophies. Bigger trophies, better trophies, more trophies than him. He becomes uh, arguably our best manager this century. Because well, he already he, is. He already is that. Yeah, yeah, but then he, he will cement it with that with that trophy. Right. But <laughs> so if he wins a European won, trophy. Yeah. He yeah. won't be the first West Ham manager to do that. All right. So, but um, the Intertoto, we're not counting. Because four teams cup, won cup winners' cup, which is technically equivalent to Conference League now, to be fair. All right. So therefore, then, if he wins the Conference League this year, we he becomes West Ham's greatest manager since 1964. Ron Greenwood. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing, isn't it? No. That's amazing. There's you slagging <laughs> him off. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Russ, anything to add? No, he won't. <laughs> I'm just be, agreeing with him, Russ, just because I know he's just going to carry be, on. He would be the greatest manager in the 2020s we've had. 2020s, nice. Yeah, no, I think that he. I mean, in the end of the day, whatever happens, you know, <clears> regardless <throat> of it. I mean, to be fair, if we win the conference, we then get within basically, we'll be in Europe for the first time ever for the first time in three years because it's, it's the first time ever we've done that um, in our history. 
So he would there you be, go, greatest manager in history. Yeah, so he would be in our, he would be in the com he wouldn't be in the conversation <clears> with Joe <throat> Lyle and, and, and Ron Greenwood, but you know, third probably. He would probably mm. be third in all honesty off them two. Mm. Um, much to people's annoyance. But yeah. I mean, there's you two wanting to sack him. I don't want to sack him. I don't I don't want to sack him. I don't think I just think it's for me, I just think that they think there's any um I think it's it's too late to make a decision like that now. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, listen, Russ, it's been uh, great having you on. Thanks for joining us. Um, what you got going on over our West Ham Network? Next just week stuff. So. Just get stuff ready for the Larnaca game. Um, all that's coming up, and then the Villa game, and then yeah, um, we're trying to get some stuff sorted for the end of the month. Get a few ex players on for the end of the month um, because April is ridiculous. <clears throat> it's ridiculous. I think we've got nine. Can we have seven or eight games in mm. April? Um, so yeah, just lots of the same. Bits and bobs, and we'll get you guys on and do a do something soon. I think. Yeah, Some happy days. Good Sounds good. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, uh, that's from the Russ Budden there from the West End Network. We got a partnership with those guys ongoing at the moment. Let's head on over to um, their YouTube channel. When you're on there, subscribing to ours and check out all the stuff that uh, those guys are doing as well. Links to that will be in the description to this podcast. Thanks very much for joining us, Russ. Stay with us. Me and Jonesy will look back. So that Man United game in the FA Cup before looking ahead to the Larnaca game and the Villa Premier League clash. All of that next. Well, Jonesy, we've looked back to the Brighton game already with Russ there because, well, because it's the most recent thing in people's memory. And it's disappointing. And I was actually thinking after the Man United game, so I was sitting in the car I was going to sort of record some thoughts or whatever, or perhaps um, see if there was any way we could do like a virtual thing. But the idea soon left me. I was, I'll be honest, I haven't really got a lot to say on the Man United game other than I thought we played like Brazil for 70 minutes. We were absolutely sensational. Lucas Paqueta was an absolutely mustard, I thought. thought we absolutely bossed it in the centre of midfield. In particular, we were working harder than they were the system was working and ultimately I know loads of people and on Twitter afterwards you know yeah I don't tend to engage as you well know in post-match Twitter beef too much certainly don't like it as much as you do um and I was really close to tweeting none of this I was just going to write none of this glorious loser rubbish that's on Mikhail Antonio and that's all I've got to say, really, because, you know, uh, it, I know it's becoming a bit of a broken record now. He's just not good enough anymore. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I think I said basically the same thing on the podcast last week. He's not good enough to play up front for West Ham anymore. Just like lots of our other players who've been great servants of the club aren't good at, like, Paolo Di Canio isn't good enough to play for West Ham anymore. Like, just because you've once been good, he's not good enough anymore. And I, and, I, and I haven't really got anything else to say other than the Man United game, other than I thought everyone played really, really well. And I was absolutely heartbroken when Garnacho's goal went in. And I, I was genuinely like, I can't believe it, because we were playing too well. It wasn't like one of those games where you go to United and you're just clinging on. We, we played too well. We were by far the better team. And all right, yeah, they did improve when Casemiro and Rashford came on. 
two players who people are talking about as being world class at the moment. But there's no other way around it, mate. Antonio has got to score that first goal. Any other striker worth their soul, any Premier League striker scores that. Any of them do, the first one. And the second one in the second half was worse, in my opinion, where he looked up, he saw the two players open and available in the box to play it across the box for either one of them to have a simple tap-in. And he chose to shoot, smash it at the goalie at the near post. It's not good enough anymore. And I've got a lot of respect for Mikhail for what he's done for West Ham. He's been brilliant. He's been versatile. He's, he's, he's always put maximum effort in. And he still does that now. And he played really well for the rest of the game. But holding the ball up and bringing players into play, it doesn't matter. When you're playing up front, for West Ham United in an FA Cup game against Manchester United, when you are playing up front and you are through on goal twice, you have to score those because that's why you're on the pitch as a striker. If you're holding the ball up or play, bringing people into play, play on the wing or play in the middle or play right back or whatever. Because if you're wearing a number nine shirt and playing up front, the main thing you're going to be judged on and should be judged on is the amount of goals you score. He's got three in the Premier League this season. Yeah, I think and his third was the fourth at Nottingham Forest. And I'm not. it's not a disrespectful thing towards Antonio, but he's not good enough. And I know we brought Skamaka in and, and he's been injured and then we've brought Ings as well, who was cup tied at United, which, okay, fine, fair enough. But I don't, I genuinely felt right. It was 45 quid the ticket was. A three and a half hour journey up there got back at three in the morning and then like you know normal life the next day and I just felt robbed by that and that alone we played really well we created enough chances and people go oh defensive collapse da 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 well ultimately we could have and should have been three new up by then they weren't half chances they were guilt edge chances that you just don't get at Old Trafford and you sort of appreciate they're probably going to score one or two so I don't read any of the other negativity. People say Ben Johnson had a bad game. He had Garnacho in his pocket for the entire game. And then obviously he scored Garnacho. But again, you've got to allow the defence a little bit of leeway. Like they can make sort of one or two oversights, whatever. The, the set pieces we looked a bit worrying from. Obviously, there was the offside one for Casemiro. So we just held a good line there. That's good defending. Um, and then obviously the own goal is just bad luck. And then by then, by the time Fred won, Fred's one goes in, the heads had gone, we'd lost the game anyway. So I haven't really got too many complaints about that. But I just don't think I have absolutely no room or anything for any other summary of that Man United game other than it's and Mikel Antonio's fault we didn't win it. Yeah, me too. Um, I, th- I feel like, yeah, you're right. It's not good enough to, to start up front for us any longer um, obviously it's unfortunate that Danny Ings was cut tired because obviously he would have he would have started that game no doubt um, and he definitely would have done the right made the right decisions in those two two situations in particular um, I do question why Skamaka was Skamaka replaced him so late in the game I feel like might have been a fitness thing it may have been a fitness thing, but I don't know. At the end of the day, the only way he gets match fit again is if you give him more minutes. Mm. Right? And you're putting on, I think it was like the 84th minute he made the change. 
And by then, well, it's what it's one all and Man, Man United on top. You put the striker on when your backs to the wall against Man United at Old Trafford, and you're placing replacing a striker with another striker. That striker going on the pitch barely can touch the ball. And I don't even think Skamaka did touch the ball. Like the change has got to be made sooner. Um, you, know, you should be pulling him off the pitch as soon as he decides not to square it, and that and that chance in the second half should be off. Get him off. Um, so yeah, you're right. He's not good enough. Um, he is going to be up. Ings is going to start now for the for, for the foreseeable. Um, but yeah, I just I don't. It baffles me that he was on the pitch for so long. Given the options we have on the, on the bench, I mean, even if you're still unsure about Skamaka's fitness, put Bowen up front for kind of mm, like, you yeah, know, like stick Bowen mate. up front. Yeah, um, Bowen was awful when he came on. By the way, he was the only one who I genuinely thought was yeah, he was running around like headless chicken a little bit, wasn't he? But, mm. um, but yeah, like the, the capitulation at the end. You're right, Fred's goal. That was because heads had gone by then. It was yeah, a bit of a mistake from Aguirre at the back. Um, the the own goal's unlucky. He's good finishing he Garnacho. Uh, yeah, good finish exactly. from Ganacho. Um, like Ganacho, you, you mentioned Ben Johnson having him in his pocket. I thought every time Ganacho got the ball, I was concerned because I thought he was their, he their biggest threat. Really yeah. good player. He's really good. Um, and I thought, yeah, every time he gets the ball, I'm a little bit concerned. But Ben Johnson dealt with him very, very well. He I really did. He really yeah. did. Um, a couple of times he got he got the better of Johnson, but That's more often happen, than not, more often than not, he, he he had him he had him nailed down. Um, and then it comes to the 89th minute. And you give him a little bit of space in the edge of the area, and yeah, he's going to he's going to have a go, and he's going to be able to curl it in the bottom corner. That's just the way it is. Um, but I think we gave we gave a really good account of ourselves. I thought we were superb for most of the game. We were a better team on the night. Uh, I just I just feel like some some of the changes needed to be made sooner. If you look at the way that I know they got better players to bring Casemiro and Rashford off the bench, but the way that cool. Ten Hag changed it as soon as we went one new up, he was like, right, I'm changing it. But yeah, he like you said. I'm say, changing it. We will... just went. All of our changes were like for like. There was no right. We're going to just tweak the system a little bit. It was. But we like were better. Like. That's what I'm saying, mate. That the, the, the generally, and I do, and that's that's why I find it difficult to have a go at Moyes after that game. People are like, oh, game management, this and that. Sorry, if 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 his striker scores the goals that strikers should score. There's no question because we were brilliant for 70 minutes. He had won the tactical battle. It, it, what like all just calling for change? It's like well, but why would you change a system that's working really well? Ten Hag did it because his team were getting absolutely dead at home. Yeah, but you you, you, you you need to be out looking to the future with it and see what's happening. I completely agree that yeah, if Antonio scores those two goals or scores one and, and squares yeah. it for the other, then is a genius. But the fact is that that didn't happen. So you have to adapt. You have to adapt. You have to adapt quickly. You also have to know. If the fans can see it, Moyes can see it. You have to know that the moment you go one nil up at Old Trafford, particularly in the FA Cup fifth round, mm. um, and two of their best players are sitting on the bench, and they're coming off the bench, you know full well what how the rest of that game is going to pan out. The last half an hour, you know mm. exactly what's going to happen. You know that you're going to be backs to the wall. They're going to be throwing everything at you, and you've got to defend for your lives because you're not going to get out your half, or you're rarely going to get out your half um, because they're that good and they have the players and the quality to be able to dominate you. Um, Moish didn't he didn't react quick enough to that moment the moment we go one new up and Ten Hag makes those changes like what Russ said earlier like, and he's right the moment that ball at the back of the net Ben Rahm scored mm. there's footage of Rashford grabbing his shirt and still putting it on and he knows he's coming on 
Right, he's, he's sitting there waiting to come on the moment that ball hits the back of the net. Moyes should be seeing that and going, right, he's bringing the cavalry on. I need to react. Doesn't react. By the time oh, he right. does react, it's too late. But there has to be, there is an element of game management. Granted, but what would you been say? He gets Granted, defensive. Yeah, but there, there are times, yeah, but the reason why you get stagged for being too defensive because he's too defensive more often than not at home when it's nil-nil. Mm. Right? Yeah, fair enough. He, he's not going to get slagged for the moment we go one new up, him pulling Ben Rama off. No, he would. Sorry, he right? would by some fans. Right? Yeah, some fans will, but some those fans probably don't really understand. Like, you go one new up at Old Trafford in the FA Cup fifth round, and they're bringing on Casemiro and Rashford, and you know you're going to be defending for your lives for the next 35 minutes. Right? doesn't matter. Like, you, you sit back and you defend. You chuck two more defenders on if you have to. I don't know, mate. Right? Or... You just you, you short up the midfield a little bit. Casemiro's technically two midfielders at times. Right, stick another midfielder in, just short the midfield. Like you know, give him less space to to work with. Have someone on him. If we bring on another midfielder who's who's pure, his own only job is to just run alongside Casemiro and stop him doing what he does best. Uh. Don't do that. Instead, you wait to the eighty-sixth minute, or you put um, you take off Ben Rama and put uh, Bowen on. Essentially, light for light, maybe just with yeah. a little bit more pace. And then you wait to the 86th minute to take Antonio off and put Scamacca on, who we know by that point isn't going to touch the ball because all the football has been played in our own half. That, me, that doesn't make sense. It's not good game management. I, I understand, right? But I understand. But genuinely, he, we were bossing it, right? So it makes sense that United would react because Ten Hag's getting dicked at home. So he's like, I've got to do something here. When you're when you've got the upper hand and when what you're doing is working, I understand why you perhaps change it less. Um, and I just think, yeah, I, I, I honestly just think because those two, Antonio, um, the so the first one was at one nil, wasn't it? Like the one in um, the first half was it was it was one nil. Sorry, it was nil nil, wasn't it? Then it would have made it one nil. The one that the the one where he's through and go in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Ben Rama scored. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did Antonio was the th- the the second Antonio cock up when he should have laid it across and instead chose to smash it the guy at the near post. Was that? I feel like we were already one nil up by then. Would that have made it two? I think. No, I think that would have been one nil. Right. Okay. I can't remember actually. No, I, I had a feeling it was already. Uh, I would have made it. To, but either way, I just, I, I just find it after that people had look, people have got an anti noise agenda at the moment. Right? Not, not just that, but some people have decided they want him gone, so they see what they're going to see. And you know, people listening probably going, well, "Yeah, but you, <clears throat> like, you've had enough of Antonio, Will. So perhaps you see what you want to see. Maybe, but he also did play well for the rest of the game. But I, I just don't accept that." That's good enough for a striker. No one thinks he's going to score when he goes through on goal anymore. So what? I said it earlier, didn't I? You just knew he wasn't going to score. No, exactly. And and listen, I don't want it to be. It, it's not a disrespectful thing for what he's done for West Ham. Genuinely, it isn't. But it's so blatant for everyone to see. He's not good enough to play up front anymore. Because strikers need to be good at shooting at the goal. And putting the and scoring goals as well as all the other stuff. And listen, I don't want it to ever be said that his effort levels are not good enough. He was he worked his socks off on 
the United game. And I think he always works his socks off. But I would work my socks off if I was like played up front for West Ham. But I'm not good enough to play up front for West Ham either. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I genuinely don't think for a second it's effort. And you can't fault him for that ever. And he, he, he did do all the other bits well. But it, it's just... He's not good enough. There's nothing else to say. As a striker, when when it's like a, a normally accepted thing by fans where we just go, oh, yeah, you knew he's never going to score that. It's like, what? Or what sort yeah. of standards? Are, like, what are we, who are we trying to be then? If we're at a stage where everyone just shrugs and goes, oh, yeah, our centre forward was for on goal, so we knew he wasn't going to score. Yeah, it was, it was, it was just like, oh, Antonio's through. Oh. Yeah, exactly, mate. And it, honestly, it's like that. And I'm not being funny. I know Ben Rama scored and that was funny. But that's sort of how it used to feel like with me when he got the ball. I was just like, oh, well, I'm, I know it looks like we're in an attacking position and some of the other fans around me have stood up. I'm not going to waste my time. Um, but, yeah, as part of my um, sort of, you know, campaign or whatever it might be to sort of just... I just feel... I don't... I, it, it makes you feel uncomfortable being so negative about him because of what he's done for the club. It really does. And I, I've got loads of time for Antonio, a lot of respect for him and what he's done for West Ham. And he genuinely is in, in one of the you know the best players we've had in the Premier League here. He's been in and around an important part of the team and the squad during some of our best times at a modern age. You'd take him over 90% of the attacking players at West Ham have had since I was born, right? Genuinely, and I mean that. But like part of good management of a football club is highlighting and being aware of when someone's like best days are behind them or value to the team has gone and that is the case now we sh- i'm sorry james but we shouldn't you had six thousand people paying 45 quid each for a ticket plus whatever they played in trains petrol and hotels going up there on a wednesday night either having time off work or getting up early on not much sleep for work the next day well the fans of, do deserve better than that than a the, we deserve better than a center forward who when played through on goal Everyone shrugs and goes, oh, he's missed it then. But we deserve better than that now. Mm. And and I think highlighting and being aware that Michael Antonio is no longer the answer to playing up front needs to happen sooner rather than later. But look, James, you got anything else to add on that um, Man United injury, Fulham at home, um, you know, all Premier League clash, but would have been a pretty favourable one. It would have been one of the most famous results. Just want to sort of give a nod to all the fans, 6,000 it was up there. Uh, in the end, the atmosphere was brilliant throughout. Um, sort of felt very Leon away vibes. I was right up in the uh, right up high. Um, atmosphere was really good, singing and all that all the way. Um, but yeah, anything else to add from your point of view on that before we move on? No, not really. Like you mentioned, the draw. Like Spurs go out as well. And you, you look at the draw now. Look who's left in it. You think oh, that was an opportunity, wasn't it? And I know it's Man United away, and probably didn't yeah. expect to go there and get a result anyway, but. When you look back on the game, how it played out and how well we played, um, there's an element of frustration there that actually, you know, we could be going into a court final um, with a real chance of getting getting to Wembley, with a real chance of potentially even getting to the final if you look at the way the draws panned out. Yeah, um, it's a little bit frustrating, but at the same time. I think well, I, I initially thought, okay, well, we're out of that now. We can't expect to go anyway. Let's turn our attention to actually trying to stay in the Premier League. 
Um, and then four days later, they serve that up. So um, I don't really understand like, where the mentality is. But um, yeah, it's frustrating. But uh, yeah, it was calf expected in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Um, well, all I can say, mate, is Viva the Conference League. Yes. I don't really care about the Premier. If we stay up, great. That's that's our last bastion of hope for the year. And I genuinely do think if we get to the Conference League final, I don't care where we come in the Prem. Honestly, honestly, the, the the dross we've served up and we've all watched for the last however many years supporting West Ham, mate. If we get to the Conference League final, like get to go to Prague and have if we win it, then that that absolutely dumps on every single season we've had up until. Who cares? Because the point of the reason you want to achieve in the Premier League is so you qualify for Europe. That is mm. the reward. So then, once you've done that for the first or only the second time in like modern the modern era, and all the experiences we had last year, Seville and Frankfurt, Leon, but what, the idea that fans are now like, oh no, nah, not bothered about the Conference League. I want to do well in the Prem. Why do you want to do well in the Prem? To, to get opportunities. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, quite League, frankly, yeah. mate. I don't care if we come 16th in the Premier League this season. If we win the Conference League and qualify for the Europa League again, happy days. Sign me up. Talking of that, Jonesy, we've got AEK Larnaca away in Cyprus on Thursday night. We'll be speaking to Stell from This Is Mapper, a Cypriot football podcast, next to look ahead. I'm delighted to say joining us on the We Are West Ham podcast for the very first time is Stel from This Is Mapper, a Cypriot football podcast. Stel, great to have you with us on the show. One of the most exciting things for me about last season's run to the Europa League semi-finals, linking up with fans of teams from other countries all across Europe, of course. And it's great to have that off and underway again for the knockout stages of the Europa Conference League. Uh, Larnaca at the moment, it's Thursday night at the top of the Cypriot First Division. As it stands, I think you all have probably experienced this, no doubt. There's already among West Ham fans some sort of assumptions, I think, because they might not know too much about Cypriot football. That, oh, you know, it should be a breeze and we should be through to the next round, no problem. Uh, I guess, obviously, there, there's going to be a golf in, in quality, but you know, uh, I, I think it's more just ignorance often with with things like that. What 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 can you tell us? What can West Ham fans expect uh, from Larnaca sort of on the pitch? First of all, uh, well, well, first of all, thank you for inviting me on. Really appreciate it, mate. Um, Pleasure. So yeah, look, anyway, they with Cypriot football, it's the most dysfunctional league I've ever seen in my life. Right. Um, uh, uh, look, just give you a bit of background on many of the clubs. They're, a lot of them are very political. You know, they're either linked with a political party or they have investors from abroad. You know, we've got a couple of clubs that are owned by Russians. So a lot of money's come into the league, uh, a lot of big names or big names for the league anyway. Um, the quality isn't as great as what I think it should be, but it's getting better. Um, having spoken to an analyst of a club there, he said that their standard is practically championship mid-table or a little right. bit lower. Um, so that's the level that you're, you're probably going to get um, but we're seeing an influx of a lot of foreign players coming in, big names as well, that obviously you'd think wouldn't wouldn't go to Cyprus. You know, some people like Matt Derbyshire, for example, who played for Blackburn Rovers, was playing for yeah. my team, Omonia. He actually had the spell at Ayak and Larnaca. And over the years, we've had players like John Arnorisa in, in Cyprus. We've had 
Zelias, big big name players that you never wouldn't expect, but it was the tail end of their careers. Um, yeah, but the, the league is changing. Uh, it's changing a lot. We've got a, a very decent academies out there, and as I said, with the foreign money coming in, it's it's only boosting the, the clubs. And Ajax are, are one of the clubs that have um, benefited from. Uh, I wouldn't say foreign investment because they still have a, a Cypriot president, but a, a foreign influence, so to speak. Right, fair enough. Yeah, because so um, I think lots of fans um, who I, I, I and you'll forgive me for for not mm-hmm. being aware of this. The the Larnaca in the Greek part of um, Cypriot, the 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 Cypriot football division. Does that just cover that part of the? Um, yeah, the it only covers or... the south. Yeah, only covers oh, right. the south. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so every team. Uh, um, right. Okay. So I see. Uh, as far as the quality goes, and you mentioned ch- championship mid table. To get to the stage of the competition Larnaca have got to is is an impressive feat um, for you know understandably. What's the yeah. what are the sort of previous European achievements of where does it rank uh, getting to the well, last sixteen of the Conference League? What, what we need to bear in mind is that Ajax are effectively a, a new club. Uh, they were formed in nineteen ninety four, and it happens quite a lot in Cyprus where two teams will merge into one. Right. Um, either due to politics or clubs going bankrupt, whatever. So Ike were, were founded in, in 1994. They actually got to, what was it? I think the second round of the Cup Winners Cup in 97. Oh, they right. lost 2-0 to Barcelona. Uh, Ronaldo and Prosenecki scored in, in, in the first leg. Um, but they, they're, they're still a fairly new team. They've only won two cups. They've never won a league title um, when you look at Cypriot football, you think of Aboel, you know, the team that famously got to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, my team, Omonia, Anorthosi, uh, or the first Cypriot team. So, Ayek, they're fairly new, but realistically, they're the only, technically, they're the only team in Larnaca. While there, there are two other teams, they're known as refugee clubs because they came from the north, but Ayek are Larnaca through and through. Right. Um, so in terms of a European adventure, this is probably their, their most successful. But just to give you a bit of a backstory, I, 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 it's a long one, but I'll, I'll try and simplify it as much as I can. Basically, Ike, Ike finished second last season. And right. so last season was the first year two teams in Cyprus could qualify for the Champions League. Right. And Ike, yeah, so Ike came second. So they went through the qualifiers. I think they... They lost to Michelin on penalties in the Champions League qualifiers, which meant they slipped into the Europa League qualifiers. They knocked out Dnipro, and they also knocked out Partizan Belgrade to get them through to the Europa League. And they played Rem, Dino Kiev, and Fenerbahce. That's right. Right. And they slipped into the Conference League by finishing third, and then they played Dnipro again in the the last round and, and knocked them out. So it's been a long arduous season for them it's been very uh physically demanding but to be fair mate the, the squad of players that they have a lot of these players have played top level football uh, right. in in la liga in in serie a so i wouldn't say they're uh, you know uh what, what's the word that they use farmers you know that's, that's yeah, the, the right. yeah. term you know they're not for, yeah. these these players are played for their national teams they've played yeah. in, in big leagues abroad so They've, they know about the standards, but do they have the physicality and the energy to cope with teams such as West Ham? That is the, the, the question I'm a little bit funny about, to be honest. I'm not sure if they can cope with it. 
Yeah, fair enough. So just before we do, we'll get into the football a little bit more in a mm -hmm. little while, but there's fans who will be going out this week. Lots of the chat um, that I'd seen about fans playing the trip were quick to note its proximity to Ayanapa. Um, <laughs> well, what can they, uh, what can West Ham fans going out to Cyprus, maybe for the first time to the country or what can I expect from, from the surrounding and, and the football grounds where, when they're in their atmosphere of fans and that sort of thing? Well, uh, Lanaka is where the well the main airport is in Cyprus. There's two airports. There's one in Buffalo and there's one in Lanaka. So Lanaka is where the, the main airport, the international airport is, so to speak. Um, and it, Cyprus is so small, you can get to somewhere in like 20 minutes, half an hour, like the next right. city. You know, Ayanabai is what, half an hour away? Um, right. But at this time of year, it's pretty quiet. And, and to be honest, Napa isn't what it used to be back in the day. It's not the house and garage scene is what I remember. <laughs> Um, it's more like going to chill, you know, yeah. loads of old people going out there to retire. It isn't this, this crazy place like what it used to be. Um, again, the clubbing scene in Cyprus isn't what it used to be, um, but it's, it's more for going to bars. Like in Blanaka, yeah. there's a strip called Finigues right by the beach. In fact, Larnaca Marina is, is, I don't know whether they start building it because I, I haven't been since last February. Um, mm. But as far as I'm aware, they're going to redo the marina. There's a, I think there's an Israeli company that's spending millions on doing it. But they're doing what the Russians did in Limassol. Like Limassol's right. completely changed. They call it Little Moscow because it's full of Russians, you know. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a lot of foreign investment out there. So, yeah, you can get to Napa in half an hour. You can get to Limassol in, in half an hour if you want to go to Bars. Buffalo, if you like golf, you can go to Buffalo, which is 45 minutes away. Um, and see Buffalo's Academy because they've got a lovely training facility now. Um, yeah. Henning Berg's head coach there. So th there's a lot happening in, in Lanaka. Hey, listen, you might even bump into Jason Punchin because he he plays for Arnofosu, which is a club in Lanaka. So, yeah. yeah. Happy days. What, what about, um, like, what's the stadium like? What are their fans got a good reputation? Are they well supported? Are they vocal? Yeah, so the, the Aikarina uh, was built in 2016. Uh, they used to use an old stadium, the Razizi, um, but that was decrepit. So they, they built this new stadium. Only holds 8,000. Um, and the fans can be a little bit rally, but again, because it's a fairly new team, you're not going to get, you know, three, 4,000 ultras like you would with the, with the bigger clubs. Uh, that being said, I know a lot of tickets are being sold. There's a lot of expats living in, in Cyprus or British expats, and they're going to be wanting to go to watch the game. But their fans can be a little bit rowdy as well. I know there's a game this season between uh, Ayak and Salamina, and um, it, it did get a little bit naughty. A couple of uh, journalists got beaten up as well. Um, there have been stadium bans. Look, Cyprus is a, is a fantastic island to go to, but when it comes to football, it, it does get a little bit too far. This season, we've had games cancelled because stadiums have been set on fire, Molotov cocktails thrown oh. on the pitch, um, all sorts of stuff happening. So, look, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely place to go to, but just, just be very, very careful because the police out there don't tolerate much either. They no, no, bit. no, quite, yeah. quite. Yeah, so World West Ham fans worth. Um, yeah, just being a bit on guard or whatever as they go mm. out there. Uh, I think there's some extra, there was an extra allocation. I think initially it was only like 400 tickets. I think West Ham had yeah. available. I think that was increased. Well, well the thing is, well, we, usually they, um, usually in these big games, they move the games to the Razibi, which is the national stadium, which holds more, more supporters. So I thought yeah. they were going to move it there at the beginning because I thought, well, yeah. they can make more money out of it. But then again, 
it costs them more money for police. It costs them more money yeah. for security. So it wouldn't make any any, any financial difference. So, sorry, yeah. it would make a big financial difference. So I think having it at the Aikarena, which is a little stadium, the, 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 play, the fans are going to be on top of the players as well. That's the other thing. Yeah. Um, so just be careful of, of bottles being thrown and all that as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fair enough. Well, hopefully, so West Ham fans have had a bit of experience the last couple of seasons. Always been very well behaved, really. I've obviously been to a few of them. And they've all been really nice occasions, you know, just sort of enjoying enjoying being there, really. So hopefully more of the same mm. on Thursday. So what we're talking then, Stel, style-wise, um, West Ham obviously on the back of, off the back, coming off the back of two iffy results. Premier League form suffering somewhat. It's Aston Villa at home in the league on yeah. Sunday. So I think, to be honest, the Conference League is the last real thing of positivity that can come out of this season and I think it will be huge for West Ham you know the, the yeah. I think we're one of the favourites to win the whole thing I genuinely feel like we've got a good chance of doing that um, I think David Moyes will play a slightly weakened team however what's been good under Moyes for the past few seasons there's is that our sort of second string B team side if you like isn't vastly different quality wise to you know, the first choice 11 or whatever. So it's not like you're going to have a load of youngsters who are yeah. a completely different level. You're still going to have talented players, Pablo Fornells, Flynn Downs, Aaron Cresswell might get a sniff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Danny Ings is, is in and around the team still, Schumacher and Antonio. Hopefully Antonio doesn't play. I've already gone off on him about him on this podcast already. (laughs) But do you know what I mean? What I'm getting at is that West Ham's second strength team is still a very, very full of very, very good, talented football players. And the the difference isn't always huge. What do you, what can West Ham fans expect? Or how do you expect the game to play out sort of style-wise? Well, Ike and Europe are are different, a little bit different uh, to what they are domestically uh, in Cyprus. Um, you know they've had a really really good season in all fairness. I mean you're you're looking at a club that let's have a look. I, I can't remember off the off the top of my head, but I think they they lost three they lost three of their opening eight games, but then they went on this unbeaten right. run of like 15 games where they won 13. Um, but right. their recent form hasn't been great. Uh, they lost two and they they lost two one one at the weekend and they they drew one before that. That's because of their Europa League form. And yeah. uh, again, it goes back to what I said about the physicality and the demands of, of playing Thursday and Sunday. And it, the good thing about Cyprus is that they move games to, to suit the clubs that are in Europe because it right. really helps them out. But if you want to talk sure. about Ajax playing style, I'm, I'm expecting, because it's the first the first leg's at home, so I'm expecting them to play very similar to what they do in, in Cyprus against the big clubs. They'll try to hit teams on the counter-attack, but they're very good on, the, on transition, on turnover. They're wide players. They're their strongest um, weapon, so to speak, the, the two wide men you've got. Farage, this right winger who signed from Muscron a couple of years ago. He's 24 years old. He reminds me of, of Riyad Mahrez. I'm not saying he's right. like Riyad Mahrez, but he reminds me of that, you know, right foot, left foot. He's very tricky, skillful, you know, loves to shoot from range, loves to create. Um, Guska on the left-hand side is a decent player, but I, I don't know if he's going to play because he's just recovered from injury. So there could be... Um, a, a change. I think Yakolis, who's on loan from Angers, might come in, Croatian midfielder. But then in the centre of the park, they've got so many quality players. I mean, you've got Mikel Gonzalez that played under David Moyes at Zaragoza. Uh, sorry, right. Sociedad. Uh, Sociedad yeah. Sorry, in that, in that year. Um, but you've got Angel Garcia, that was at Real Madrid. Uh, Rosales, that was at Malaga. Um, who else? Altman, who was in Fulham's 
youth squad, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So they've got a lot of players. And I think in wide areas, they could cause West Ham problems. Fullbacks getting forward. A lot of their goals this season have come from wide areas, be it crosses in the box. What Ike will do, they'll get the ball out wide and overload the box. They'll put five or six players in the box, which obviously leaves them open for a counter-attack. But they're very aggressive in that respect. They've got Gus Leathers in the middle of the park that can pull strings, very good on the ball. Um, So they can cause problems. But again, like I said, at the top of the show, I don't know whether the stamina levels, they'll be able to cope with West Ham because obviously the the Premier League level in in terms of fitness is is up there. And Cyprus, they're still... But as I said, these players have played top-level football. You know, Tomovic was at Spa in Italy. Milicevic was at Sarajevo. These these players, they play for the national team as well. And you've got Tchaikovsky, who a uh, Macedonian captain, 35 years old, but he's he's been around the block. So I think it'll be very um, easy to to shoot Ike down and say, oh, they're, they're just a team from Cyprus. But they're going to have a point to prove. A lot of these players, it could be their final chance to play against a big team. And then yeah, that's sure. where the psychology comes in. And if David Moyes is on the ropes at the moment, it might be a, a good time to play him. Yeah, I think, to be honest, it's, it's one of those things where I think... He sees the conference league as a bit of a relief, to be honest. It's a bit of a relief from the the pressures of uh, of the domestic football at the moment, and that was certainly the feeling at the beginning of the season, um, unbeaten, of course, in um, in all of the group stage games. West Ham to get through to to this stage of the competition, and and I think he knows that the fans care about it. The fans care a lot. Yeah. West Ham fans would love more than anything, you know, the Europa League journey last season was so amazing they'd love more than anything uh to get to a final um albeit considered europe's tertiary competition but to get to a final and potentially win it would be absolutely huge achievement so there is well didn't the, jose Mourinho win it last season he got it tattooed on well, him so yeah exactly you know, yeah if you mean something to jose then <laughs> precisely that yeah you know that's roma and i think it's just easy it's only really the top the big six clubs in england who sneer at these competitions um, Manchester United fans do plenty of that, but all of a sudden the League Cup is also really important. Now they've won it last year, so suits people's agenda. But from West Ham point of view, there's no shame whatsoever in really, mm. really wanting to do well in in this competition. So uh, I think it will certainly be taken seriously. Still, it's been absolutely brilliant having you join us on the podcast for the yeah, first time. Uh, what do you expect uh, the score to be then Thursday night? And hopefully we'll get you on again before the second leg to have a little look back. To this game and, and we'll do some more of that stuff then but what are you expecting the score uh I, I think it depends on what lineup you guys put out um you know if he does go with the likes of Cressel, who i think is susceptible to errors at left back when it comes to a, a tricky winger like farage will give him a, a few problems but i think if you guys can handle deliveries in the box be it from set pieces crosses from wide areas i think you'll be all right um do you know what? Just for the sake of, of the separate in me, I'm going to say 1-1. There you go. I'm going to sit right <laughs> on the fence. got splinters on my backside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, you know what? I, I, I think as much as it would be nice to win the game and put the tie to bed, I think West Ham fans would probably take a one all away from home, mm. confident in our ability to, you know, deliver at London Stadium. Um, so, fingers crossed. I, yeah, I don't think that would be... The worst result in the world. So before we let you go, then tell us a little bit about uh, this is Mappas, your Cypriot football podcast. Yeah, so uh, we have a Cypriot football podcast. It's a weekly review show. We discuss the the shenanigans around Cypriot football. Um, I mentioned a few earlier. Uh, there's, there's plenty more where that came from. Um, stadiums being set on fire, rival fans throwing chairs at each other, 
Mm. Um, referees being attacked, but anyway, that's that's just the off the field antics. Yeah. Um, we talk about the, the <laughs> we talk about the, the the league results. We discuss news, um, and we're available on Twitter at this is Mappa. Same with Instagram, and yeah, we interview former players as well, which is going pretty well. So yeah, touch wood, we we can continue, and uh, yeah, you, hopefully you guys can come on at, at some point. Maybe we could do a, a post match review or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> absolutely, mate. Absolutely. We'll look. We'll uh, we'll be here if you fancy. Anything like that. Um, West Ham fans, if you fancy hearing a bit more about Larnaca in particular, Cypriot football in general, that is, uh, this is Mappa. you can find that on all the usual podcast platforms. Listen, Stel, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the show. Hopefully Thank we can you, link man. up after the game and then ahead of the second leg. But enjoy it on Thursday. And everyone else, stay with us because we'll have another opposition view ahead of the Aston Villa game in the Premier League with Tim Wildwood, one of our podcast favourites, next. <laughs> So I'm delighted to say joining us once again on the We Are West Ham podcast. I know I'm not supposed to be biased, but it's our favourite opposition view guest of all of the different ones we speak to throughout the season. It's Tim Warwood and very special guest, daughter Wren, aged seven, who has already assured me that she prefers women's football to men's, but she's happy to come on and have a chat about Aston Villa tonight, which is absolutely brilliant. Tim, great to have you back. Ren, thanks so much for joining us, first of all. Tell me, what exactly is it about the women's football that you prefer to the men's? They're more interesting. Yeah? And who did you watch England in the Euros in the summer? Sort of. Yeah, we did. We ran around lots, didn't we? And we watched. Well, I say we. We were watching it, and you were running around. But you, you were watching the women's England women, weren't you? Have you got any favourite players? No, she just likes all you, of them. I think. Yeah, fair you like enough. the girl that you liked when she took a top off at the end, didn't you? And swung it around her head and went all crazy. You loved that, didn't you? <laughs> Yeah. That's pretty good. Tim, it's great to have you back on the show. And you're, Pleasure, mate. You're, Pleasure, I think you're, you're the only person, the only opposition view we get uh, get on, who regularly brings his family members on to join him. We've had <laughs> Uncle Ron, of course. Now we've got your daughter, Ren. Absolutely sensational, mate. It's those, oh. the reason you're our favourite, she's go above and beyond. Oh, mate. Well, it's, uh, it, you know, it's an honour. Thanks for having us. Um, nice. It is, it's well and truly in the family, isn't it, when it comes to the Warwoods and, and the villa. So, no, it's good. Um, exactly. I, you know what I did try? When you messaged me earlier on and said, are you around? Can you, can we get you on the podcast? I, I did scramble to try and get Uncle Ron. But he's down in the big smoke. He's down there. He's is down he? with you lot. Yeah. What's he's he? he's, he's at the West End. Out. Well, should have. He's, he's, in the, he's gone to the West End to watch the Only Fools and Horses, the musical. So he couldn't record a special mention. But he did say um, he hopes you boys are well uh, and up the villa and all the and in classic Uncle Ron fashion, all the best for Sunday. All the best for Sunday, yeah, that is classic Uncle Ron fashion. We've grown to know and love him, of course. I saw the Only Fools and Horses musical a few weeks ago, actually. Um, yeah, any feedback good. from Uncle Ron? It was all right, mate. You know, the guy who played Rodney wasn't quite to my taste, but all in all, it's a pretty feel-good experience. <laughs> Difficult asking it, taking on those roles. Look, sunny's yeah, here as well now. We've got both oh, the kids got, here now. We've got oh, another Warwood. What's uh, what's your name, mate? Can you hear? Can you hear Will? What's your, What's your name? Sunny, nice to meet you, Sunny. How old are you? Five. Five years old. We've got Ren, five, Sunny, seven, and Tim, what, 38? 
Oh, you were too kind. 43, <laughs> mate. 43. 43, goodness. I hope I look as good as you when I'm 43. I don't look as good as you now when I'm 31. You what, mate? Nine five. Yeah, I know. Seven and Ren's five. Did I? Yeah. Oh, I'm very sorry. I'm glad you're here to correct me, mate. So you're five, Sonny, and Ren's seven, yeah? Mm -hmm. And tell tell Will, because Will, so Will likes football, like you. Tell Will about what you've started doing on Saturday mornings. Mm, Head football. Did you? Wow, that's pretty cool, mate. Who who have you been playing for? Yeah. Yeah. Have you been he going plays. playing with the team? He do, well, he plays at the minute, don't you? play with um, Little Sutton and they have a really good kick around. But check Happy it out. Days. His coach or the guy that's organised it all, his own, none other than Villa legend Tony Morley. Tony so, uh, Morley? Wow. Yeah, so when I'm, I'm down there on Saturday mornings, you get a little bit starstruck when you look across and old Tony Morley's running the line up and down. <laughs> no doubt mate no doubt sonny ren is ren sporting one of your dad's hats at the moment have uh do you wear any of them still any of his stuff normally <laughs> do you wear anything of mine no no, yeah. no? what does he wear no ren what does he wear used to wear dad's hat for school did he did you used to wear my caps didn't you hey listen yeah. let's say goodbye to will and kick you guys out of here because i wear my football. i wear my dad's cap too you do yeah before you Excellent go tell will stuff. what's the best football team in the world england england well that'll do england excellent stuff wales wales <laughs> <laughs> well nice to meet you ren and sunny thanks for joining the podcast right love you good night Go, go, go. He probably doesn't. Oh, I love you both. Oh, yes. I will read you a story. Yes. What's the second? Aston Villa? They haven't been to a Villa game yet. No, no, no. <laughs> you can tell that. Where I sit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Aston Villa like that. Yeah, that's my scar. Go on. Out you go. Will, you probably didn't want to do any editing on this. Mate, absolutely right. loved it. Right. Love you, mate. Yeah. Good night. James, you'll get him on. In a minute. That, that could have been the launch to their that could be the launch to their broadcasting career, mate. Hey, how about that? I know. Imagine <laughs> tell them they're welcome to use it in their portfolios or their show reels. Yeah, wang it on the show reels. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what an excellent start to the show, mate. Um, talk to me about about Villa. Then we've obviously had a little bit of chat about family life, and then the starring members of the cast rocked yeah, up yeah, to put in an appearance yeah. herself, which is brilliant. Uh, Villa of you're doing well, you're 11th in the Premier League at the moment. Come off the back of a couple of decent wins 1 0 against Crystal Palace and then 2 0 away at Everton. Um, in the game week before, 25 games played, 34 points, well and truly safe, you would argue. Um, yeah, and also well and truly mid table. Yeah, what's the feeling among the Villa fraternity at the moment? It, do you know what? For the first time, did I, I don't know if I said this last time. It feels like I've did. The moment this is coming out my lips, I feel like I've said it before. It finally feels like there's a bit where like patience is there. Like the, mm. the, the whole tend has finally realised that we do need a bit of patience. And the classic Unai in new manager, you know, really good start. Um, obviously, beating Man United was was just heady days that was man, yeah. all over the place but i think finally you know a, a couple of a couple of results where we perhaps should have won that now actually 
it's finally in you know we trust and it's just we've just got a the patience it's just there isn't it and so yeah. now the fans are starting to the, the fans are starting to be patient and you can feel it in the ground and and it's just a nice feeling you know saturdays are nice now to go to villa park yeah yeah but, it's enjoyable going to the game yeah it's just that you know emery appointment what did you make of it at first because i think everyone you know was sort of full of a bit of trepidation neutral fans but it all seems to be going fairly well. It sort of a sudden seems like quite a nice fit. But what's the what, what you were you were your thoughts and, and where do you sit now? Um, well, he's he didn't. I guess he's had January a little bit of January for for a transfer window. But he's he's inherited a team essentially that I think this summer there will be a clear out and and he's definitely got rid of few of the few of the loan signings have gone back and I just think that he's gonna. I think he'll kick on now and and the players are starting to buy in. I don't know if you saw as well after, um, oh, what was the game? I can't remember, but we lost anyway. And old Emmy Martinez ran up to, you know, oh, that was it. He ran up, didn't he? And then, of course, they scored when... And the Arsenal, was it the Arsenal game? Oh, it might have been the Arsenal game. Yes, it was the yeah. Arsenal game. And, and after that, Unai's comments were like, yeah, I didn't tell him to do that. You know, like that's... Mm. And it was very much a... Why well, he definitely wears the trousers at the training ground, that guy. Yeah. He, you know, he, he, and, and I think, you know, would you want to be a football manager trying to manage millionaire? I don't know if I would, mate. It's like, <laughs> but I think he's, I, I think he's got his way. He's definitely got his way. And we've definitely, definitely improved. Well, we've massively improved. Um, so I just think it is a, I think it's a case of believing, giving him some patience, give him a transfer window and, and see where we kick on from there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing sort of, no disrespecting, you know, no disgrace even in coming eleventh, is there? At the end of the season, if that's where you manage to stay, um, yeah. especially like you know after the, the you got rid of Gerard or whatever, it's, it's a pretty firm foundation upon which to build something. From Emery's point of view, what's the when you say sort of there's a bit more patience around the whole end? Then was there? Is that just where there was a little bit of a lull after the? The good start from Emery, you start to get some murmurings, or do yeah, you think you fans do. just generally realise after Gerard that it's like, now we need to give some of these people a bit more time? I think a bit of both, mate. Yeah, I think it, it's it's there's definitely just more of a, you don't know, you just feel it, can't you? Just it's yeah, the, old, yeah. the, two, the two grumpy old men that are three rows up and two seats back. They're just they're silenced, and it's kind of. You know, it's the it's the certain it's the certain people in your WhatsApp groups, isn't it? That it's once yeah. those start to turn, you think of them as a, almost a bit of a barometer. I mean, you know, me, yeah. I'm very I'm very much a kind of a glass half full kind of guy, and, and yeah, yeah. Those, and so I'm always, you know, everything for me is positive, and we'll definitely win the next game. That's how I feel. But you know, yeah. like I say, those those few comments in the in the WhatsApp group are starting to be like, yeah, all right, all right. I can see what he's doing and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. grinding out results. We're winning ugly Crystal Palace on the weekend. You know, you could argue, you know, an own goal. We didn't, I don't think we had one shot on target, did we? It was, <laughs> so it's like you, you're winning bad, you're winning crap and, you know, it's it, you're winning. It's all that matters. Yeah. And, and, and with that, I think, comes a little bit of, it breed, you know, it helps to breed that kind of collective patience and yeah. helps to breed that positive outlook as well. Yeah, no, I, t I totally agree. We sort of, we, you know, West Ham sort of lost a bit of that this season. But we've got a game Thursday night away at Larnaca in Cyprus. There's a bit of, of travelling there. 
Yeah, we uh, we we played went away at Man United last week in the cup and then got tonked at the weekend to Brighton, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I think there is a little bit of a concern that obviously Larnica will be a far, you'd hope, more straightforward proposition. I think Moisey can rest afford to rest a few players. But the position yeah. we're in now, these games have big pressure on them. But one thing he has done. He's managed to pull results out of the bag at home against teams we should beat. Not saying we should beat Villa, because you, like you say, you're playing pretty well at the moment. I can't exactly see it being a thriller, but how are you expecting it to play out that game Sunday afternoon at uh, London Stadium? Well, you know me, I love a storyline. And of course you bought Danny Ings. And I like Danny Ings. I, mm. I really did. I don't know. I just connected with him and... There were a few people that wanted him gone when he wasn't scoring, but he, he wasn't being he wasn't given the service. He wasn't being played right at the Villa anyway. He was, I'd, I'd argue, too too similar to Ollie Watkins. And so, like, I don't know. I think, I, I think if you to, I, I just think he's going to score against us, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of it, I'm just John beating around the bush. He's basically going to score against us. Um, I I'd like to think we'll I think we'll score. Ollie Watkins can't stop scoring apart from last mm. weekend. So um, I think you're right. I don't know. Will it be a thriller? thriller? Will they cancel each other out? What am I going to say? I'd like to say 2-1. I think 2-1, we might scrape it. Yeah. So who, who sort of, you mentioned Ollie Watkins there. Who's sort of playing, you know, for those who don't watch Villa week in, week out, who's sort of been your sort of standout performers this season and who do you think sort of could be doing, doing a bit more? So... We've got um, the French kid, Kamara in midfield. Boubacar Kamara is unbelievable footballer. He's so, so good. He's just, the, the, the game slows down the moment he gets the ball. It's just like he's playing on a, a different, uh, he's like he's in a different multiverse to everybody else when he plays. He's so good. He's been playing really well. Ollie Watkins does a lot of running, a lot of chasing. His end product has been a little bit off saying that. He did score, he scored in the last five games um, for us. So he's, he is on a bit of a bit of a run, bit of form, which is good. Um, John McGinn, our, our captain, as as he definitely, you know, under Stephen Gerrard, just it was like he took the pan off the off the heat. It just went, mm. he went completely off, went back to as bad as he's ever been, and he's on the slow road back. But putting in some really good performances and and working really hard, and he's won the fans over again. So he's got the fans on his side now, and you know they can see he's working really hard. So. John McGinn's been playing well. Mings just plays. I think he just he's one of those players that he he makes mistakes and that's what he gets noted for. But he also with our win ratio when he's in the team is so much higher than when he's not in the team. So he's such a key player for us. Tyrone Mings is that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a stranger and when he obviously got the captaincy taken off of him at Gerard. Yeah. Uh, sorry, under Gerard. But he seems to he, he sort of I don't know. He just seems to fit at Villa. Villa seems to be his level. Like it doesn't feel like there's going to be a big club looking at like to snap him, take him off your hands. But it also feels like, you know, he he just he should be playing at that mid bracket level of the Premier League, and it just seems like a good fit. Has he sort of come into his own a bit more, having had the captaincy taken off him? Yeah, I think so. He's he's a he's just a quality team player. He's just shouting, and he's forever. You know, he does occasionally someone could go, he's got that little wry smile on his face and mm -hmm. something happens and he, he's just a team player. And I think, yeah, taking the captaincy off him, he, I mean, I don't know. Again, I'm not a manager, but 
It's got, I think it's worked. It's got to have yeah. worked because he's. It, it, it hasn't affected him. He's still playing. He's, he's probably, you know, one of the first names on the team sheet every week if he's fit. So, um, but I think you're absolutely right. He doesn't set the world alight, but he's just a bit of a no-nonsense player. And he's got a really good partnership with Konza in the middle. And they're just, yeah, they just play really well together. So, um, hmm. yeah, he's having, a, he's having a good season. All-round contentment seems to be the vibe I'm yeah. getting off of you, mate, at the moment. Mate, Nothing super unexpected. No, nothing terrible. Well, this is it, and we've not bought. Okay, Coutinho, we had, but he's been a bit, been a bit rubbish. We've got um, Wesley <laughs> coming back from. Uh, we've got Wesley coming back from injury. Um, Bailey's coming, but well, Bailey's yeah, he's hot and cold. He has. I was excited when you signed him. I thought he'd yeah. be really good, but he's just well, sort of stuttered, isn't he? And then he stuttered a little bit. But um, I think summing up kind of most people's feelings it's get through this season stay up top off of the table would he be would be amazing and then we build you know we, we try and um bring in a few quality players and and we signed i think we need another decent striker we signed um john duran which is a, is a i think he's a chilean kid or a, a cuban kid it's mm. probably really racist isn't it i've just smashed two countries <laughs> together that begin with t there yeah, um, both have to speak some spanish yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. all south america but, <laughs> he's, he's from the mls and he looks hungry he's young he's 19 he's big he's athletic and yeah i don't know he's he's had some good moments but i don't know i just i sometimes feel like we never really sign that Dare I say it, I'm showing my age now, but that Fernando Torres, remember when Liverpool signed him and he went on to score a thousand goals in a season or whatever he did? I just don't think Villa never can yeah. never do that. We're never really signing that true, just hitting their stride like class footballer. But then that's because we're the Villa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got some uh, I've got some outstanding news for you though. After uh, I think you went you went for Cuba and Chile. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, in your guesses. Well, you, well, he's actually from the one remaining uh, Latin American country beginning with C that me. speaks Spanish. Don't tell me. Uh, Chile, Colombia. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so. The Latin American countries beginning with exactly. C. Beginning with C, yeah, yeah. So, uh, John, if you're listening, I'm very sorry on behalf sorry of the Will West Ham podcast. <laughs> But um, yeah, I, it's funny. I don't know at the moment whether West Ham would sort of. I don't think there'd be that much envy in that contentment. Do you know what I mean? Like West Ham, I think are West Ham fans as much as they would like to pretend they're a bit more understanding or whatever. I think secretly, as long as they've got something to shout about, good or bad, they're happy. So yeah. any sort of that, like if we were coming eleventh this season, they would be shouting about too mediocre, not adventurous enough. Yeah. Now, David Moyes is trying to change the playing style. We're floundering near the bottom. He's a disgrace and he should go and all that sort of stuff. And when we were storming the Europa League last season, obviously we had something good to shout about. But um, yeah, it's just an, an odd situation this season. And I think the game on on Sunday, you've got the just the, the faint hope that this season, Everton came to town when we needed a win. We beat them 2-0. And we've had the we've just had those games where when the pressure's on and it looks like 
if you lose this, it's really bad news. It's really, Moisey has pulled it out of the bag. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we had not in the forest at home a couple of weeks ago, and obviously off the back of that tonking at Brighton, it just and then we lost in the cup at United, which we shouldn't have. We were brilliant for most of that. He's just like some of the performances have been good, but the results have been falling short, and right. then you get tonked at Brighton, and it just obviously looks a lot worse than it is. Yeah. But I, I'll be honest, Tim, I always I'm never ever scared of playing Aston Villa. No. I'm sure I've told you this before. I don't no, think I anybody like is. We always beat them. <laughs> no, you, you must be someone's bogey team. Um, who do we always beat? We're pretty lucky at Everton, aren't we? Yeah, I think you we said are. that to me before. We've always yeah, struggled there, but yeah. We're pretty lucky at Everton, to be fair. Man yeah. United hate playing us. Man United. Yeah. <laughs> they got <laughs> smashed last night. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, tell me about it. Proper, proper fashion. But listen, Tim, look, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the podcast again. As always, you reckon you're going 2 1 to Villa, then, are you? 2 1, yeah. 2 1 to the Villa. Yeah. No, I'm not. mm, I don't know. I I do think we'll nick it, to be honest. Again, just because of what I said before, there's just that psychological thing about playing Villa where I always feel fairly confident going into the game. Um, And just where, whenever Moisey's been under pressure this season, backs against the wall at home. Um, I fancy that he'll, he'll have a chance of, of nicking it. But um, so I'm going to go 2 1 to West Ham. But look, Tim, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the podcast again. We love having you. Thanks for bringing your your kids and your family in. We hope Uncle Ron had a brilliant time at the that Only Falls and Horses musical. And uh, yeah, we'll catch up with you later on in the year. Stay with us, though, because you'll have some final thoughts from me and Jonesy next. Well, that's it, Jonesy, for another week on the show. A packed one, as always. Russ on with us early doors to look ahead, uh, look back. Scott, I've done that loads this week. Uh, to look back to the Brighton 4-0 defeat. We had a chat about that disappointing loss at Manchester United in the FA Cup as well, which we blamed squarely on Mikhail Antonio. And then, of course, looked ahead to the two games we've got before we next do a podcast. Uh, Larnica away on Thursday before Aston Villa at home in the Premier League on the weekend. What are your thoughts on both of those, Jonesy, uh, before we sign off and say goodbye for another week? I think we'll... I think Russ is right. I don't think it's going to be as comfortable as many fans think it will be against Larnaca on Thursday night. Uh, I mean, there's a reason, reason Larnaca are in the same round that we're in in the Conference League. You know, it's not it's not like it's a a group stage match against the team that's snuck in through the back door, had to go through six qualifiers to to get there. Um, they got through their group um, as well, so I don't think we should be taking them too lightly. I think we'll win. I think we're good enough to win. Uh, we should be good enough to win. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be comprehensive. Maybe a 2-0 two, two win, uh, which would be a nice cushion to take in the second league the week later. And then Villa at home. I mean, that, after what happened at the weekend, um, I really don't... I, I, I'm loathe to to really call it. Um, again, I think, we, I think we're good enough to beat Aston Villa. Um, but whether we do or not, I suppose it all depends on what happens Thursday. If they're not that tired, then maybe they'll play play well. Um, but if they're really knackered, then God, should expect another four 0 defeat. I don't know. Um, so yeah, it all depends on their energy levels after Thursday night. Um, yeah, just make sure they don't go out on it in Iron Apple afterwards. We might be all right. 
Yeah, exactly that, mate. Yeah, exactly that. Well, yeah, I, I don't know, mate. I, I mean, obviously, Larnaca are top of the uh, Cypriot first division. At the moment, you'd hope we'd beat them, wouldn't you? Um, I think ultimately, you'll probably play a, a, like a weekend side um, in the first segment. I don't think that matters too much. You'd hope that we'd have enough even to just keep us in the tie and that give us some fresh legs for the game against Villa. On Sunday, even if, you know, if we were to go out there and get a draw, you'd hope that we could come back and beat us. But Moisey's been good at managing the, the burden with the European stuff as well, isn't he? So um, that's that. Well, how do you feel, James? Because I'll be honest, often when we talk, um, about West Ham, particularly when they're bad, you start off. Um, what's the word? I'm trying to think of an appropriate word to use to describe your demeanour at the beginning of this podcast. But when you're a bit angry and emotional about West Ham, uh, you sometimes say that uh, talking about it and doing the podcast makes you feel better. But I'm going to be honest, mate. Judging by your body language, and it's worth logging onto the YouTube this week just to see uh, how James has been sat with his arms folded and the sulky face of a five-year-old toddler for the entire show. It doesn't feel like this week you actually feel any better at the end of the podcast. No, I, I do feel a lot better now. I've got it all off my chest. Um, like when you text me overnight and we're like, oh, should we do it? Uh, we'll do podcast tomorrow or we'll completely understand if you want to do it Tuesday. And I did weigh up that decision. I looked at my schedule and I thought, oh, I'm pretty busy, but also busy Tuesday. So yeah. I'd rather just get it out of the way today and then I just don't have to think about it. Um, obviously, when I edit, I've got to go through it all again and relive it all. Um, but but once I've done that, it's done. I don't have to worry about it. You know, so much going on this week anyway. I just don't want the stress and the right. depression to, to get on top of me. So, But I do feel better having spoken about it and got it all off my chest. And um, I'm sorry that I, I... Yeah, I'm sorry that I've looked so... Well, mate, you don't have to apologize yeah. for me. I'm just worried for you. I'm all right. I'm all right. But we didn't we didn't speak about this earlier on, but you've got the house moves going on at the moment, have you? Other other factors contributing, of course. I hope that goes or continues to go. Uh go as well as possible. I'm sure it was stressful, uh stressful thing, sorting all that out, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. We we move on Thursday. So um huge. Yeah, so i I'm looking I'm currently in the middle of a front room full of boxes yeah. and bags. So yeah, exciting. So, just to remind uh, listeners then, it's the 20th of March, uh, the week commencing the 20th, which Jonesy and I will be having a week off. We'll be all right for it next week, James? Yep, all right next week, just as long as my broadband is fitting in the new house on time. It should be, but yeah, all good. Wonderful. Well, good luck with all of that, mate. Um, I hope it goes all right. West Ham United, two defeats from our last two games. Disappointing away at Manchester United, but if we had a striker... Who knew where the goal was? Perhaps we would be okay. No real excuses, as Jonesy mentioned. Try as I might to explain that perhaps there was a little bit of a hangover from that game at Old Trafford. 4 0 away at Brighton, bogey team or not. Not great. Russ Budden, thanks to him for coming on to look ahead, um, to look back to that game. Oh, that's the last time I do that this week, Jonesy, and of course those two opposition views we had as well, looking forward to two games this week the roller coaster continues I would argue, I reckon Jonesy, that by the time we come back this time next week, West Ham will have two wins under their belts from Larnaca and from Aston Villa and everything will be looking a bit rosy you'll have moved in to your new house, we'll be looking upwards in the Premier League, planning our trips 
two exotic European locations in the latter stages of the European Conference League. And all will seem well again with the world. You got any score predictions for me before we let you go? Uh, I'm going to say 2 0 in Larnaca. Yeah. Uh, and then 2 1 against Villa. Is that a 2 1 victory? Yes. All right, there we go. Yeah, see, see, he's positive. He hasn't completely left you, Josie, is it? I must admit, I'm going to echo you there. Uh, we, as well as they might be playing as badly as we might be playing, we do always tend to beat Aston Villa, not a team that I ever particularly get worried about playing. So I'm going to back you. I'm going to say 2 0 in Lanaka as well. And then uh, I'm going to say a, a 2 0 against Villa. I think the defence will, will solid up. I don't think we'll concede, but two wins from two is what I'm saying. Thanks for listening, as always, everyone. Thanks for those of you who got in touch this week. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. I'm at William Pugh underscore James. He's at by James Jones. You can get us on Instagram at we are West Ham Pod. Go over to our YouTube channel as well and subscribe to that. That would be handy and help us out quite a lot. Uh, James is doing a sterling job with all of the administrative and editing and YouTube tasks that are attached to doing this podcast. Um, and one thing that makes him very, very happy is seeing the YouTube subscribers go up. So do go over and do that as well. And don't forget, as I mentioned, you can buy us a pint at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. A few of you have logged on to do that in the last couple of weeks, which we really appreciate. Jonesy this week, it seems, needs a pint more than ever. So that's buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. If you fancy doing that, the roller coaster continues, like I said, two defeats. From two, but two victories coming up. Do not worry about it, everyone. Keep the faith. Up the hammers. West Ham are still massive, and we'll speak to you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. Podcast Network.